It's good to see your faces here in the house. And if you're here, it means you're well, so I'm glad for that. If you're joining us on live stream, I'm glad that you're joining us as well. If you chose to stay home because you're not feeling well, thank you for making that choice. And I'm glad that you can join us through this means. Guys, it is good to be in the house. It's good to be around um, uh, believers. Uh, Alan Smith is here today. (laughs) You're a gift, brother. You are such a gift. And Chelsea Smith is here too. <laughs> uh, after being on the, on the I'm going to say the mission field for a year. Uh, welcome back, Chelsea. Be sure to go and hug Chelsea's neck and hear about what she's been doing. And uh, just uh, excited and thankful for the Smith family, for sure. Uh, well, we've, we, have some, uh, we have some things going on here at Springhouse over the next couple of, of weeks. And um, one of the things that uh, the staff and I decided to do this year a little different, we wanted to try something different because I don't know if, if this ever happens to you, but there are times when I get to the 25th and I feel as if I've run a marathon. Uh, I feel like every calendar on the, every date on the calendar has been filled. Every night there's a, maybe a work thing, a school thing, church thing. There's just things happening. And, uh, you know, and of course I'm wired to be involved with multiple things. So, I mean, you've got multiple things attached to that. And that might not be you, but it seems to be uh, uh, the story of a, of a lot of people. And so what we decided to do this year is we're going to have a Springhouse family Christmas party representing all ministries. And it's going to be next Sunday, next Sunday. And you don't even have to clear a night to come. Just come to church. Come at your normal time. You'll be here 1030 next week. It's going to start with Springhouse Theater's The Best Christmas pageant ever. I have seen it and it is excellent. So you want to be a part of that. And if you can't wait to see it, which you shouldn't wait to see it, if you can come see it before then they'll be doing it, I believe on Friday and Saturday night as well. And tonight there's one today as well. So bring the family and be a part of that. Following uh, that that time together, we're going to have a gathering, a party. There'll be food, there'll be games from 12 to 2 right after that next week. And so we want you to be a part of that. It's going to be a time of fellowship and uh, excitement and I'm hopeful that hopeful to have a lot of you here and participating uh, in that. Uh, following that, on Wednesday, we will have our annual Carols by Candlelight. And uh, that is an event that you do not want to miss. I would encourage you to get here extra early to secure your seats. Uh, we have, uh, we've refashioned it a little bit this year. I'm excited about what's going to be presented. So be here. That's on the 15th of December. Uh, after that, we will have uh, we will close out the Christmas uh, series that we're doing here uh, that following Sunday with with two gatherings, uh, and then that following Saturday is Christmas Day. Christmas Day. And uh, we do a service here on Christmas Day. I got a text this past week that said, hey, could you let us know when you do your Christmas Eve service? And I said, well, we don't do a Christmas Eve service, but we do a Christmas Day service. And it is from 11 to 12. And uh, as Pastor Ronnie used to always say, uh, it is just what the day needs. So be here at 11 o'clock on Christmas Day uh, and and participate in that gathering with us. It ends right at noon. Uh, I don't think I've ever been a part of one that has gone over. It, is, it ends at noon, and we understand that you have things going on that day, but boy, making time for that just makes the day uh, all that more special and worth it. So uh, be, be a part of that uh, as well. 
Well, it is Christmas time, and at Christmas time, I don't know if this happens at your house if you have kids, but at our house, the talk begins about gifts. We talk about gifts and presents and uh, what I want, what they want, what she's going to get, all of these things. And, uh, and we, begin to, we begin to have a discussion around the, the topic of, uh, of gifts and gift giving. And of course, we know that God has given us a lot of, a lot of gifts, and uh, the very best gift that he ever gave us was his son, Jesus. The very best gift that he ever gave us was his, his son, Jesus. And I do want to say that I appreciate those of you who, who uh, gathered with us last week and, and watched the, the service on, on live stream. One of the things that I felt like the Lord was telling me that he was going to do uh, in, in our body through this series is that he wanted to revive dreams. He wanted to restore hope. He wanted to bust up some routines and he wanted to remind you of his very good promises. And I don't know if you have been holding on to some dreams or maybe you've let them go, uh, some dreams that you've had in the past. Maybe you've been praying fervently uh, for something and it just seems like all hope is lost, that he's not answering that prayer, that he doesn't hear you. I want to encourage you today that God hears you. He knows you. He hasn't forgotten you. Uh, you are important to him. Uh, he, he hasn't forgotten. He doesn't relent on his promises and the things that he says he's going to do, he will do. The things that he says he's going to do, he will do. And so I want to encourage you that as you go into this, this as we're in the middle of the season, but as you continue to journey into this season, um, I'm, we're asking the Lord to bust up a little bit of our routine. Sometimes tradition is good and doing things repetitively is good. We meet every Sunday and, and a repeat. It's a, good, it's a good thing, but there's something fresh to be had at those moments. There's something fresh if you really dig in. So let's not do things just out of, um, uh, out of tradition or out of routine. Let's be seeking the Lord and what he has, because he has stuff for us uh, in, in, the, in, those, in those moments, in those very important uh, times. So we're going to continue our, our series today. Uh, Moss. Moss is uh, Spanish for more because there's always more with God. There's always more with God. Speaking of gift, uh, gifts, I was reminded uh, this week of a story uh, uh, of something that happened to me at the school. And uh, some of you may know this teacher's name, so I'm going to uh, change the teacher's name. But, um, but uh, there's a teacher that worked for us for a very long time. I think, I'm pretty sure she worked there for 19, 20 years. And, um, and she, uh, she was well, well lo- received, well loved. She, she was a teacher uh, that so many students, uh, when they graduate, they look back. I don't know if you've got, had elementary students uh, or you've, when you were in elementary school, you remember after you graduated, you remember that one teacher, that teacher that meant a whole lot to you, that, di- that made you feel like you were just, man, the cat's pajamas, a million bucks. You just felt like, man, I'm, I, I, and, and this is one of those teachers. And so every year at Christmas time, uh, this particular teacher, quite frankly, would rack up on gifts. I mean, the, the, the parents, parents like, you are taking care of my kid. My kid loves you. And just, I mean, and then the, the, the students from the, previ- the, the previous years would come back and give her gifts. And when I say, I'm talking about like $100 gift cards, spa treatments, trips. I mean, it was just, it was just crazy. And, um, and if you know this, if you knew this particular teacher, you would know that she was like first class. I mean, it's, it's you know, if, if you got a gift from her, the packaging with which that gift came, I'm telling you, is going to be on point. I mean, it's, it was from top to bottom. Everything she touched was done with excellence. And so you would see these gifts come in, but not only just the gifts, you would see these packages and these bows that were so elaborate and just so 
well done. Well, this particular year, she was uh, in her classroom and she was receiving these gifts. And of course, it was the typical gift certificates and all of these things. I mean, it was just like she, she really made out. But this particular year, this one student brought in a gift and it was wrapped up in a, I mean, just an outrageous uh, package. I mean, just this box with this outlandish bow that was on it. And I remember the teacher was, uh, or I was told that the teacher said, I'm going to save that gift for, for last because I mean, that, that must, there must be something in there, you know, that's a value. And so she opens all of these gifts and she gets to the last gift. And in that last gift, she pulls out something like this. This is, a, this is a bird bell. It's a bird bell. Now you can find, you used to be able to find these bird bells at Dollar Tree. Uh, they would have like shelves and shelves and shelves of, 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 of these bells. Now, um, this teacher wasn't very fond of bird bells. I mean, this wasn't something that you, you would see in her house. It wasn't a decoration that she particularly cared for. You know, when a, when a kid gives you something though, you make it feel like, you know, they've given you the world. I mean, but, but she has this gift. And so she's talking to a, a teacher, a fellow teacher, and she's telling them this story of, I, I got all of these, these wonderful gifts. And then I got this from this kid. And this was really, you know, really quite an interesting, an interesting gift. There wasn't really a reason, uh, a reason or rhyme b- behind it. Uh, so I don't, everything I just told you, I don't know at this point. Okay. So the teacher she's talking to comes and tells me the story. And so, you know, I chuckle. I'm like, well, you know, I mean, the bird bell, I don't know why she was given that gift, but boy, she sure does have a lot of other gifts she can tap into. I mean, that, you know, not the bird bell. Well, a week later, we have a Christmas party, a staff Christmas party. And uh, we are uh, exchanging gifts at that party. And it was a year where we had drawn names. And this particular teacher had drawn my name. And, uh, and so she comes into this party and she comes in with this, this bag. And again, I mean, I don't know where she found this bag. It was gorgeous. It was huge, you know. And, uh, and so I got my gift from her. And because I was in charge of the, the party and the flow and everything like that, I didn't open the gift right then. It was the last thing we did. But I got home and I opened the gift and guess what I pulled out? The bird. Now she had no idea that I knew the story about the bird. And I thought to myself, Surely there's more in this bag. <laughs> surely, surely if you're going to re-gift, you re-gifted one of those $100 gift certificates, not, a, not, not, the, not the bird bell, you know. But no, there was nothing, you know. Uh, there was nothing in there but the bird bell. So um, I thought to myself, how low of this teacher to do this to me. So it was Christmas break and, uh, you know, I meditated and I really feel like I heard from the Lord. Uh, so I held on to the bird bell and uh, the next school year comes around and I find this bird bell and I go into this teacher's room when she's not in there and I talk to the students and I say, how many of you in here love Miss Brown? And they're like, yes, we love Miss Brown. How many of you all would like to get Miss Brown the gift above all gifts? How many of you all would like to get Miss Brown a gift that she will treasure in her heart forever? And I pulled out this bell and I said, I want every one of you to go to the Dollar Tree and get Miss Brown one of these bells. She will love it. And they were so excited. And I said, and more than that, what I want you to do is I want you to find the very best gift bags, the very best boxes, the larger, the better. And I want you to put in there. Those kids walked in that day 
for that Christmas party in the most outlandish packages. And she sat down and of course, of course, I walked by her room and said, man, you were going to make out this year. This is great, you know. And she sat down and she started pulling out bell after bell after bell after bell. I mean, and she was like, what is going on? Now, the, re- the point, the reason I told you that story is to say, I'm a horrible person. And, um, and, uh, and I mean, I, I am. And, uh, and, and not to ever mess with me. But, I, uh, but, but no, today, today we're going today we're gonna talk about packaging. We're gonna talk about gifts and we're gonna talk about the packaging with which we, we receive gifts uh, Joseph received a gift, but it came in a very interesting package. Would you stand with me this morning? Let's read our scripture together. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate the marriage until he gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you that it brings life. I thank you for the essence and the meaning and uh, the point of this season, God. And just as Justin alluded to, God, I don't know if what I'm going to convey today is going to be new truth, God, but I I ask that you would remind us of the truth, Lord, that we already know. And I ask, Lord, that we, as we're reminded, God, Lord, that it would change us from the inside out. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to sit under your word. And Father, I ask that you would be with us today, God. Thank you for all the gifts you've given us, especially Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. So Mary here, she is pledged to be married to Joseph. And in the Jewish culture, there were three stages that took place when it came to marriage. The first stage was the stage of engagement. We are a bit familiar with that stage because in our culture, you know, when you're going to get married, usually, typically, it starts with an engagement. And so this engagement uh, would have been arranged at a young age and, and probably by the parents of the 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 two individuals that are getting married. And so the engagement was, this is our intention. The next step in the process would have been the betrothal. This made the previous engagement official and binding. And during this time of betrothal, the couple were known as husband and wife. They were known as husband and wife. After the betrothal period, which lasted about a year, 
there would be a marriage ceremony and the, and the couple would be considered to be married. So there would be these three, these three stages. Betrothal was binding. Joseph and Mary were to be together. They were legally bound. They were together. They were going to be uh, married with the third step. They were, uh, they were together, Mary and, and, and Joseph. But somewhere along the line, Joseph finds out that Mary is with child. Joseph finds himself in a predicament. He finds himself in a predicament. And the predicament is, Mary is with child, but I know that this child's not mine. He didn't need a TV show to reveal the results of who the baby daddy is. He knew this baby's not mine. And so, Joseph is faced with this predicament, but he's also faced with how to respond to this predicament. Have you ever been in a life-altering situation or predicament or obstacle where you had to make a decision on how to react? Have you ever been in a situation that was almost life-changing that you had to, you were in the driver's seat and in control of the response. Joseph was in such a position when he found out that Mary was pregnant with child. Now we don't see in scripture, it say Mary ran to Joseph and told her about her dream. Uh, I'm sorry, about her visit from uh, Gabriel. We don't, we don't see that in there. Mary could have told him. Uh, scripture actually says Mary went off to be with her cousin Elizabeth. Uh, or maybe rumors in the town. Somehow Joseph found out this information. Now they weren't living together. But Joseph finds out this information and he's got to make a decision on how he's going to respond. He knows Mary's with child and it's not his. So naturally, just like us, he probably would have assumed that Mary had relations outside of the context of their being together. So in essence, Mary committed adultery. Mary, Mary went out and did something that she shouldn't have done. And, uh, and now she is, is pregnant. It's the only logical thing to think, yes? And so Joseph, with this assumption, has to decide how he's going to respond to the predicament that he's in. So Joseph is described to be a faithful man to the law, and the law said that anyone who did such an act was to die. And if they weren't to die, they were to be publicly shamed and disgraced, and they were to be issued a certificate of divorce. This was a big deal. This was a big deal. But though we see Joseph as a man who is faithful to the law, there's something else out of this passage that we can discern from Joseph, that Joseph was also a man of mercy. He was also a man of grace. And so when Joseph sees this situation in this predicament, he's in his mind and he's seeing how he's going to respond to this situation. And he decides to, to respond to this by fulfilling his obligation to the law, by issuing a divorce, but he wants to do it in a way to keep it quiet and under the radar as to not disgrace Mary. 
I wonder how many times we are faced with a situation where we have every right to publicly humiliate, publicly disgrace, publicly put down, to ostracize somebody because they've done something wrong and we chose to go down that, right, that way because we need to make ourselves feel better. I wonder how many times we picked up the stone and we threw it because we wanted to make sure out of our own pain and our own hurt that we were justified for our feelings by making sure no one else could see any good in the person that wronged us. Joseph was in a situation where he had a lot of power in his hand over Mary's life. He could write the, the, the history of Mary and how Mary was going to be viewed, but yet he chose a different path. And I want to submit to you today that in our life, there are going to be times when we are able to respond to situations and predicaments. And the way that we feel like we're supposed to respond in our flesh is not the way that we're supposed to respond according to the kingdom. I want to submit to you today that there has to be a point when there is some type of spiritual insight. There's got to be something that's going on on the inside that will help us navigate how we react on the outside. Joseph is in a predicament. He is in a, in a situation. This was a big deal. Joseph had every right to lose his mind. Just because you have the right to do something doesn't mean that you should do it. Just because you have the right to do something doesn't mean that you should do it. And so we see that Joseph takes the time to consider everything that has happened, everything that has transpired, He's taking the time to think about and consider his response. Oh, that we would be a people that would confer the gift of time to situations that we don't have answers to on how to respond. Because with time, we are able to see things that we're not able to see through the lens of our emotions. With time, we are able to react to situations and problems that in, in, in such a way that would, be, that would walk alongside or be a part of who we say as we, we are as believers. Have you ever responded out of your flesh and it didn't line up with who you said you were as a believer? When we come upon situations that just don't make any sense to us and cause an emotional reaction, it's good to take a beat and stop and allow some time to pass so that the Holy Spirit can get involved and you can see it through His perspective. One of the things that Pastor Ronnie taught me uh, a while back is whenever I get an email and it hits me with an emotion, I don't respond to it right away because I know that my response in that moment is not going to be what I need to say. And that principle can be applied when I'm in person with someone as well. That principle can be applied in, 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 most, in most situations. Usually my first gut instinct in my flesh is not the right way to respond. I need the Holy Spirit. I need supernatural inter, intervention. 
Time affords you the ability to see things that are beyond the surface. We are conditioned to be a people who make snap judgments based on what we see on the packaging of the outside of people. So when we see someone come into this place and it looks as if by the way that they are packaged, that they have a history, that they have scars, that they have wounds, that they have hurt, that they have pain, that they have brokenness, be it when whatever way they are manifesting those, those things, we are conditioned to make snap judgments based on what we see, but not based on what's the truth. Because a lot of times, though the packaging says one thing, what's on the inside is something completely different. The Lord appears to Joseph in a dream and he says, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Why? Because what's being conceived inside her is from the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in Mary is from the Holy Spirit. In other words, God is saying to Joseph, Stay the course. He's saying to Joseph, stay the course. Keep walking. Keep going forward. I wonder how many times in our life, this has happened to me, that I stumble upon an obstacle, something that I don't understand, something that I don't like, a predicament, a situation, and it causes me to stop and want to retreat. We are a people who are conditioned to leave when things get hard. We are a people who are conditioned to, to want to make an exit instead of address the issues that are in front of us. And what we see here is that Joseph sees the situation. He considers it. He's thinking about it. And he's looking at the, the, the explanation of what he's supposed to do. And the law says that we're supposed to divorce. That's what he's thinking in his flesh. It's a logical way to look at it. But God confronts Joseph and says, I want you to continue to move forward. I want you to step forward. The Bible says in the book of Psalm chapter 37 that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. When you are walking, and we learned that Joseph is a righteous man, and so when you are walking and you walk upon hard situations or obstacles, your first response doesn't need to be, let me get out of Dodge. It needs to be, God, what do you want to say about this situation? And when you receive information from the Lord and direction from the Lord, then you act. Do you know that the Lord will speak to you and he will give you direction if you'll just seek him, if you'll just wait a moment, if you'll just take a beat to hear from him? God is, God's desire is not for you to perish or you, for you to stumble or for you to fall. He just wants you to listen to him. And sometimes he's going to tell you, I see that obstacle right there and I want you to walk through it, not around it. Oh, God wouldn't want me to ever feel any pain. God wouldn't want me to, God wouldn't want me to grow any. I, I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to, it's supposed to be like walking on lilies in the kingdom, right? No, no. Sometimes God's got an obstacle because you're the one that is able to walk through it. You've got something inside you, right? That is going to give you the strength and the ability to walk through it. But on the other side of the coin, a lot of times when we walk through obstacles and situations, 
on the other end, we become better off than what we were before. Ever been in a situation like that? I like Chick-fil-A. In my house, we call it Christian chicken. And so when the, when the Holy Spirit's talking to me about a chicken sandwich, and I start going up here to go to Chick-fil-A, and I can, I'm on Sam Ridley Parkway, and I can see Chick-fil-A from my windshield, but the obstacle is this construction and where I could walk in a minute, it takes me 30 minutes to get to the drive-through. I brave through the obstacle because I know on the other end, I'm, uh, there's a chicken sandwich. But I'm also going to say that yesterday I got out on Sam Ridley Parkway to see that there were three lanes open. And all of a sudden, there was a decrease in the traffic. So what was once my obstacle has now worked out for my good. Let me tell you something. What was once your obstacle has now worked out for your good. What was once the thing that seemed hard, it's worked out for your good. And Joseph has an obstacle in front of him that's about to work out for his good. But he's going to have to walk through some stuff. He's going to have to walk through some stuff. And he only can walk through the stuff because the Holy Spirit told him to. He only has the strength to walk through the stuff because the Holy Spirit's a part of it. And so he listens to the Holy Spirit. He says, I want you to continue to go. Now, Joseph could have said, but Lord. Oh, we're good at saying, but Lord. But Lord, what are they going to say about me? But Lord, this is going to be too hard. But Lord, you don't understand what type of predicament this puts in my position at work. But Lord, what are others going to think? And he gives Joseph the why. And he says, because what is happening inside of Mary is from me. Joseph, there is more here than meets the eye. There is more here that meets the eye. And so she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus, which means the Lord saves because he will save his people from their sins. And Matthew picks up at that point, the Lord is done talking and Matthew picks up and Matthew says that this will be the fulfillment of the prophecy. And what prophecy is talking about, he's talking about the prophecy that comes out of Isaiah 7. Now what's going on over in Isaiah 7? There was a king of Israel and his name was Ahaz. And Ahaz was afraid of the enemies that surrounded him. Have you ever been in a situation where you are afraid of your enemies around you? He's afraid of his enemies. And there were two countries that were his neighbors who joined forces and they made an alliance together. And Ahaz looks at them and he's like, you know, I'm just kind of feeling a little unsafe and a little uneasy about this. Uh, I need to find myself a strong country that I can, I can work together with, that I can, can, can combine my efforts with because I'm feeling so small. And I just need, I need a strong friend. I need a strong friend. And so King Ahaz, his plan was, I'll just find the strongest country and he found the country of Assyria and he says, I'll make an alliance with them and then I'll be safe. But God sends the prophet Isaiah and Isaiah says, Ahaz, you've got this all wrong. Your biggest problem 
isn't that you have enemies all around you. Your biggest problem is your sin. Ahaz, why don't you try to not, why did you try to stop uh, oppressing the poor? Why don't you stop uh, invoking unjust laws? Ahaz, why don't you try to, why don't you stop, why don't you start taking care of widows and, and orphans? And he's saying, how about you make your alliance with God and then you won't have any problem with your enemies. See, so often we attempt to make our alliance with what looks stronger in the natural, but what we need is what is stronger in the spiritual so that we can defeat the things that are happening in the natural. When we sing that song, I'm surround, he, he surrounds me in the battles. I'm so surrounded by him. I'm not surrounded by the next strongest thing that I can grab out and, and, and cling to my side. He fights our battles because he's stronger than the things that we're battling against. So King Ahaz doesn't really like what Isaiah is saying here. He's like, no, nah, no, thanks. And, I, and Isaiah says, he goes on to say, okay, here's what God's gonna do to give you a sign and, and to prove what he's saying is true. There's gonna be a virgin and this virgin is going to have a baby and it's going to be called Emmanuel, God with us. Now, I don't know that Isaiah nor Ahaz really knew the scope of what was being said there 700 years before it actually happened. But in this moment, Emmanuel, God with us, Matthew, as he's writing this passage, it's very important to him that the reader understands that this Jesus we're talking about is the fulfillment of the prophecy. You have to understand that Matthew is writing this from post-resurrection perspective. He has walked with Jesus. He has talked with Jesus. This baby that we're talking about, born from a Virgin Mary, is the Messiah that was promised that would fulfill the prophecy. Because God does what he says he's going to do. So Jace, Joseph wakes up from his dream and he decides to do what the Lord tells him to do. Part of the miracle here isn't just that God spoke to Joseph, it's that Joseph actually listened to God. And he did what he said. For most of us, God tries to get our attention and speak to us about extraordinary circumstances, but we don't listen. And so we lose our minds and we often regret the decisions and the choices that we make. Supernatural intervention happens when we lean into the Holy Spirit and we allow him to do his work. This is how we have the strength to forgive people who do not deserve to be forgiven. This is how we have the strength to react calmly when everything in us wants to lose our minds. This is how we have the strength to stay even though everything in us wants to leave. And this is how Joseph had the strength to say yes to the Lord in extraordinary circumstances. Oh, that we would have supernatural intervention to react to situations the way that he would want us to respond as opposed to how our flesh wants us to respond. Joseph would have been well within his rights to completely lose his mind, but we need, he needed super, supernatural intervention. And because he was drawing from that, he was able to make the decision that he make, made. Joseph's response, albeit supernatural, would have come with its own set of consequences because now he was betrothed to the one that's going to have a baby that's not his. 
So you have to understand that Joseph was going to be subject to the ridicule just as much as Mary. Boy, that says something about the strength of somebody who will stand up and take the ridicule of the person they're walking next to. Let me, sometimes we need somebody to stand next to us and make an intentional, conscientious decision that says, I'm going to stand by this person and I'm going to help them walk this journey despite what everybody else sees because I know that there's more than meets the eye here. You are not bound to what other people say about you and your situation. You are not bound to what the world wants to classify or define you as. You are not bound to the packaging that the world likes to put you in. You are not bound to any of those things. You are bound to the truth that God says about who you are and your life and your situation. In Psalm 34, there's another verse that talks about a righteous person. First, we talked about the steps of a righteous man are ordered. But there's another verse that says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. You need to know that when you choose the righteous way to live, there's gonna be times of affliction. But if you know your why and your why is intact, you'll step through those afflictions like this. You'll continue to get up and take that next step. You'll be knocked down, but you'll get back up again because you know that you're drawing from the source, from the source that gives you the strength to endure. And you know that the thing that's going to come out at the other side is going to be better than what you had before. Joseph and Mary have been given this most wonderful gift from God. And there could have been many ways that God chose to package this gift. But I'm going to tell you, friends, the packaging that God chose for the gift of Jesus was humanity. He chose Mary to be the wrapping paper for the best Christmas gift we could have ever received. You know what that tells me? That out of our humanity was birthed life. Out of our brokenness, was birthed life. Out of our hurt was birthed life. Out of our pain was birthed life. Out of our hurt was birthed life. Out of your brokenness was birthed life. And guess what? It wasn't something that we could have done. This is why Jesus had to come through the Virgin Mary. Because if man would have played in it, it would have not been the pure gift that was needed to redefine. So the package that's carrying this is brokenness. Do you know that in the Hebrew, Mary translates to the word rebellion. Out of rebellion was birth salvation. Out of your brokenness is birth salvation. It is only a work that God can do. God has conceived in you. He has given you a gift that allows you to take the wrapping paper, that tarnished bad wrapping paper, all of the broken pieces, all of that package that you work so hard to make sure everybody else loves. He puts a gift in you so that stuff can go away. I don't know about you, but we'll put presents underneath the tree and the kids will just be around. Have you ever had somebody in your house, by the way, have you ever had somebody in your house that can guess the presents before they're open? They just look at the gift and it's like, oh, that's that, that's that, that's that. Is that not infuriating? Stop trying to guess the gift. 
So we just started to wrap them in bigger boxes. So, right? But these gifts are under the tree and they're wrapped up in all of these things. Do you know it does not matter how much money we spent on the packaging, doesn't matter how large the bow, doesn't matter how we coordinated the presents, on Christmas morning in 2.3 seconds, all of that package is out the door because what's more important than the package is the gift. The packaging is of far less value than the gift. Jesus who is inside you, the gift that is inside you is far greater than the package that is carrying it around. So all of your brokenness, all of your pain, all of your hurt, all of your sorrow, all of those things that you carry around and how we try to pretty those things up, that doesn't matter because who is inside you, the gift that's inside you, what his goal is, is to strip you from all of that. So that when people look at you, they no longer see your package. They see the gift of Jesus. What do people see when they look at you? What's your packaging look like? When people look at you, is there more than meets the eye when they look at you? Because your response should be this way, but instead you choose something different. Instead you choose something different. Of all the packages that would lead to death, all of the packages that we have lead to death, but Jesus comes and he brings life. Only God can birth life out of rebellion. Only God can birth life out of, out of these things. And that's why this life must be conceived by the Holy Spirit. Must be conceived by the Holy Spirit. There's coming a day when your package is going to be destroyed. And when your package is destroyed, I hope that there is a gift in there for Jesus to see that he sees himself because when the package is destroyed and there's nothing there, then you don't know him. How did Mary, how was Mary able to sustain all the scrutiny and all of the shape? Because you know there had to be. She was, she was having a baby outside of the bounds of marriage. She had a very hard go at it whenever she's facing all the people. What gave her the strength to do all of those things. And what gives us the strength when we're going through something? It says in John 15, this, it says, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do, you can do. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I wanna submit to you today that the way that Mary was able to have the strength to endure the assignment that God gave her is that she was connected to the source. She was literally connected to the source. I do not believe that Mary was sustaining Jesus's life when he was in the womb. I believe that Jesus was sustaining Mary's life in the womb. I believe that Jesus was carrying Mary, although it looked as if Mary was carrying Jesus. And I believe in our lives, I believe the same is true where we have this gift that we possess inside of us, but the power and the strength that we need whenever we're walking in this life and we're encountering situations that are hard and we're confronted with our sin and we're confronted with our brokenness, we have to draw from the power of the source. We are told to be connected to the source. We are the branches. He is the vine. 
The branches don't give. The branch is in a, in a receiving position. We receive from the vine. We receive his life. All he asks us to do is be. That's all you have to do is be. When the branch is cut off, the branch dies. Guess what? Sometimes the branch is cut off and it looks great. It's got budding flowers. It, it, it's, got, it's got life to it. And then it gets cut off. And guess what happens? Eventually it dies. You were, you were meant to have life and life everlasting. So how do we do this? How do we walk through this life in hard circumstances? We stay connected to the source. We said we draw from the source. He is where our life comes from. I don't know how to, the best Christians are not the ones who know how to love better. They're not the ones that are smarter or more educated and know the word more. They're not the, they're not the ones who, who, who serve at the most functions. They're the ones who are connected to the source. The branch doesn't visit the vine every Sunday. The branch is connected to the vine. It draws from the vine. It draws, it's like, where are you drawing your life from today, church? Where are you drawing your life from? Is it coming from the source? Where is your source of, of all of the decisions you make? You look like you should be responding out of your shame. You look like you should be responding out of your brokenness. You look like you should be responding out of all of those things, but you should be drawing from the source. I want to encourage you this morning to stop making the packaging more important than the gift. Stop making your packaging. Guys, every single one of us have this in common. We are broken. We are flawed. We are hurt. You have a, sto you have a story. You are tattered and broken. It doesn't matter how great you try to pretty it up. On the outside with this package, we are really nothing. But we have been given a gift. And with, because of this gift, we have a hope in Christ Jesus. Because here's the thing. You understand that his first coming was only his first coming and he's going to come again. You understand because of the gift that we have inside us and the hope that we cling to, we know he's going to come again. This is what it says in Hebrews. It says, Christ having been offered once to bear the sins of many will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. He's not coming to deal with your package. He's not coming to deal with your package. He's coming to see those who are eagerly waiting for him. We need the gift of Christ in our life. We need the gift of Christ in our life. And we don't have to wait until he comes again to experience him because he is Emmanuel, God with us. And he is with you today. He is with you in your trial. He's with you on any, any situation that you have labeled yourself. Anytime you are tempted to grab that wrapping paper and wrap yourself up in shame, guess what? God is with you. And greater is the gift that's inside you than anything that you will wear on the outside. Worship team, you can begin to make your way back. Christmas is one of the two times in the year where you start to see faces of people that you don't ordinarily see in the church. And I want to tell you that when people come in once or twice a year, a lot of people have tried their best to deck out their package so that when they come in, it, you're looking at them and it says to them, 
It's, it makes, they, they're trying to fool everybody that they've got it all together. And let there be a rip or a scar or something that shows something. Otherwise, they are waiting for somebody to point that out so they have a reason not to come back to this place. And maybe it's a person that would come back in this place that truly has hurt someone, has done something wrong, something that seems to be beyond the realm of forgiveness. Maybe it's somebody that comes in wearing that type of package. But because of the gift inside of you, you have the power to love them beyond their story. You have the power to love them beyond their scars. You have the power to respond to them in a way that says, hey, I've got the answer to everything that you're seeking. I had a friend about 10 years ago. He, uh, he made some really bad choices and he decided to take a left turn. Prior to that, he would be a, a believing Christian. He would say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm a believer. He would do all of the motions, do all the things, but he didn't really own it on the inside. And he just made the decision. He said, listen, I'm done trying this lifestyle. I'm gonna try a different lifestyle. I'm gonna do all of these things. And he was afraid to tell me. I was one of his closest friends. He was afraid to tell me what he was going through. And he was afraid to tell me that he was going to decide just, I am going to live this lifestyle and there's nothing you can do about it. The reason he was afraid to tell me is because he had encountered enough Christians who turned their back on him. And so finally over dinner, he confessed to me. He's like, listen, I, I don't want to offend. And if this means our friendship is over, then so be it. But I am, I'm doing X, Y, and Z. And I looked at him straight in the eyes and I said three words. I said, I love you. And there is nothing that you have said to me today that changes that truth. And so for a period of time, for about a year, year and a half, he walked this journey. And I was there for some of it. There along the side, knowing that he was making the mistakes, running the course, and I never pointed the finger. Never made him feel bad. I was just there. I was just present. And about a year and a half passed and I get this phone call about one o'clock in the morning and it's my friend and he's in tears. And he said, I just don't know what to do. He lost his home. He lost his friends. He was in the middle of drugs and he was in the middle of all of these things and the shame. And I was able to say to him, I'm on the way. And I went there and later I would learn that I was the first call that he made because there was something he saw in me that made him believe I actually loved him. And it was because I was drawing not from what Kevin thinks because what Kevin thinks doesn't matter. I was drawing from a place of strength from this gift of Jesus that I know that I've been redeemed from. The things that he's redeemed me from. And I was drawing from this place. Do you know that your gift is so large it can't be contained in your package? It should be going off onto other people. And so I picked him up and I began to walk with him. And guess what? We didn't pick up from a place of, well, let's re-examine everything that you'd walk through. We picked up from where he was and we took a step forward. And let me tell you something, church. There's a big dying world out there that needs somebody to stand next to him and pick him up and say, let's take a step forward. Let's take a step forward. We couldn't contain the people if we did that. 
that would come into this place to be introduced to a, to a Jesus who says, I'm so much bigger and greater than anything you've labeled yourself to be. Let's stand this morning. With Jesus, there's always more that meets the eye. Let's worship Him.